What's up, guys? Brian Ratliff here. Just wanted to say thank you for tuning in to Keep the Faith Podcast. Grab your Bibles and let's dig in to the Word of God. The man Solomon was quite a character in the Old Testament. If you remember anything, he was the third and final king of the United Empire in the Israelite kingdom. His father was David, and then before him was Saul. And when Solomon became king, he bowed down before the presence of God and asked God not to give him wealth, not to give him land, but to give him wisdom, and God gave him more than just wisdom. And throughout Solomon's life, as you could very well tell if you've done any study in his life, Solomon got distracted. In fact, you could almost say that Solomon lived like an American because he got his eyes focused on material possessions, began to focus on having land and possessions like gold and riches and wealth. And then he got his eyes focused not just upon wealth and riches and land and prosperity, but also pleasure. Solomon had, as you know, 700 wives and 300 concubines. I don't know why I did this math, but if he were to sleep with one of those every single night, it would take him two years and nine months to do that. That is crazy. That is crazy. Solomon, by the way, I just want you to understand this, that, that when it comes to marriage, the Bible is very clear that, that God designed marriage to be, be between a man and a woman and preferably for life. And we read that in the book of Genesis. And in fact, in the book of Genesis, it does not say Adam and Eve and Susie and Sally. It just says Adam and Eve. So polygamy is really something that God ultimately tolerated in the Old Testament because of man's hardness and their sinfulness. And when we get into the New Covenant, the New Testament, Paul is very clear in Corinthians to let every man have his own wife and every woman have her own husband. So the Bible is very clear. But pleasure can be of all sizes, shapes, and colors, doesn't have to revolve around the marriage bed. But then you got to understand that that Solomon began to focus on material possessions like wealth and gold and etc. Then he began to focus on pleasure with marrying all these different wives. And and I'm sure some of these were political marriages so that he could gain more power in certain regions and areas. But then when he began to marry these other women that were not Jewish who believed in the one true and living God, they ultimately pushed his heart to worship false gods, idolatry. So Solomon was a lot like Americanism. That means we focus our minds on material possessions, on pleasure, and then that ultimately results in us worshiping and serving those pleasures and material possessions. So I could almost say to you, Solomon was an American before America ever existed. But today, as we think about Solomon's life, we know Solomon is found in scripture. Solomon is, is, is a living example of, of what not to do in our lifetime. But the beginning of his life began extremely well 
But then he got his eyes off of the Lord. And it's interesting, we attribute to him writing the vast majority of the book of Proverbs. Of course, he writes the Song of Solomon, and he writes the one we're reading today. That is the book of Ecclesiastes. But if you've ever studied Ecclesiastes, you know Ecclesiastes is not a very happy book. In fact, it's a very depressing book. Because Solomon reminds us that when we get our eyes off of God and on material possessions and on pleasure and on idolatry, then we will sink into the depths of depression and vanity and emptiness. There's a key word throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, and it's vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity, or in other words, all is empty and vain. And Solomon writes as an aged man here, reminding us that of our purpose in life. And really, the title of my message today is two words. Glorify God. Could you say that with me? Glorify God. I believe as we, as we come to the very ending of this book, Solomon is reminding us that we are called each and every day and every year to glorify God. And the way we do that is threefold, it's a threefold manner found in verse 13 and verse 14. The first one, we're going to discover that we, we fear God. Secondly, we're going to obey God. And thirdly, we're going to praise God. In verse 13, we're going to unpack how we can fear him and how we can obey him. But then in verse number 14, we're going to unpack and, and unravel and reveal how we can praise him today. But before we dive any further, I want to share with you my key thought that I want to, want to leave with you today. If you walk with any thought, I want you to leave with this thought. And I make it very personal. My purpose in life is to glorify Jesus Christ. My purpose in life it's to glorify Jesus Christ. You say, well, you're a preacher, Brother Brian. Surely you should. Listen, if you call yourself a Christian, if you believe the gospel, if you believe the Bible is the word of God, we are all called to glorify Jesus Christ each and every day of our life. My purpose in this life is to glorify Jesus Christ. But how do we do that? Well, I gave you the threefold solution a few seconds ago, but now I want to unpack it. The first way we can glorify God in 2023 is simply this. Glorify God by fearing him. Glorify God by fearing him. Notice verse number 13. The Bible says, he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. In other words, Solomon's saying is, hey, I've got my eyes off of God and I focused on wealth and on wine and on women and all sorts of idols. But the conclusion is, is if you set your heart to those things, it will only leave you in despair. And he says, here's the, the whole purpose of life. First of all, fear God. Certainly, the concept of fear in our language today gives us the idea of, of being terrified. And I will say, as the writer of Hebrews says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. And so today, if you do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, then you have all to fear in the age to come because heaven will not be your eternal destination. A terrible place the Bible describes as hell will be the place of your landing. And today, the Bible is very clear that there is hope in Jesus to overcome that eternal separation from God. But, but the idea here behind fear is much more than, than being terrified by this holy, righteous, sovereign God. It is the idea of reverencing his majesty. So, so think about this. God is the one 
that we reverence. In fact, the Lord's prayer says, hallowed be thy name. In other words, God's name is sanctified. God's name is set apart above every other name. I mean, think about some of the most famous people in the world. I just saw a random YouTube video the other day of of the most popular videos on TikTok, and they were absolutely crazy and foolish and kind of dumb, but they have received the most views. So whether you have the most followers on social media or you have the most following, a great following as a celebrity, listen, no name matches Jesus's name. None. No athlete, no singer, no songwriter, no historian, no author, nobody, no professor, nobody. God's name is to be reverenced and revered. And that means that that God, his majesty, is so set apart from every kind of other glory. I mean, think of Solomon here. Solomon, I mean, obviously was a king. And at his word, anything took place. If he wanted to send somebody at the front line of battle to die, they did that. If he wanted to, to have this woman, he had that. If he wanted to adopt this child, he had that. Anything he had or desired, he could obtain. But as vast as he was... He's not revered like God. You know, it's going to be quite a day when we walk into the presence of God in eternity because we will see the vast, majestic reverence of God. I mean, sometimes we, we, we think about having the opportunity to meet the president. Past presidents, future presidents, present presidents. We realize that when we stand in, in somebody of that, that power, in the presence of, of that kind of power, it is so reverencing. But that does not compare to the reverence we are called to give to God. That reverence will lead to respect. So not just reverencing God's majesty, but, but also respecting God's authority. Listen, I may not like or agree with every president that has took place in my lifetime. I'm showing my age here, but, but the, the earliest president I can distinctively remember is, is Clinton. And, and so whether it's Clinton or, or Bush or Obama or Trump or Biden, whichever president might have been in your lifetime, listen, we know that not every president is going to do things or say things or make decisions that we're always going to agree with. But the reality is, is because of that office, we give that office respect. Whether you voted for him or not, we give that person respect. And listen, listen, God's kingdom is not a democracy. God's kingdom is not a democratic republic. God's kingdom is not America, as great as America is, by the way. God's kingdom is not America. So God wants our respect, but whether you give him respect or not, he will receive respect. I was reading the other day in scripture where where it says that that if the people do not worship God and give him reverence, then the, the rocks will cry out reverence and respect to God. He is an amazing figure, greatest of all time and and demands our reverence and respect. But then, but then, then this concept of fear gives the idea of honoring his sovereignty. We reverence his majesty, we respect his authority, but then we honor his sovereignty. When you think about, if you will, the kingdom of America, we have the great 48 inland, then we have Hawaii, we have Alaska, and we have a couple of other islands that are technically part of the kingdom of America. 
God's kingdom has no beginning. God's kingdom has no ending. Right now, he is temporarily in his divine sovereign plans and will has just allowed Satan to have jurisdiction over this earth and perhaps this universe. But we know that this universe is God's and he's the owner. And one day he will silence the prince of the power of the air. God's sovereignty is displayed in nature. It is displayed in creation. It is displayed in in science. Think it or not, it is. God's, God's sovereignty is displayed in every single facet of life. He's on the throne. He's in charge. He's in control. And praise God for that. I mean, this world is spinning so fast in, in, in orbit and going around the sun. And I mean, just think about this. If there was nobody in control of that, we would all be in great fright and fear. Glorify God by fearing him. Let me ask you something. Do you fear God more than you fear man? Are you more afraid about posting something on social media about what somebody's going to say about, about what you've said or what you posted? Or are you more frightened by standing before a holy, righteous God and concerned about what he is going to say about you. My friends, let us reverence, respect, and honor God because that's what it means to fear him. But let's do that every single day of this year. My purpose in this life is to glorify Jesus Christ. And we do that, first of all, by fearing him. But secondly, secondly, our verse moves on. It speaks about fearing God. And and by the way, this word for God in the Hebrew language is the word Elohim. This gives the idea that this is the supreme God of all gods. The triune God, that is. It says, fear God, and then it says, and keep his commandments. And he says, this is the whole duty of man. Secondly, glorify God by obeying Glorify God by obeying him. Have you ever received a gift that has become extremely sentimental to you? That no matter what takes place in your life, if God called you to move to Hawaii, you were going to take that with you. It might be coins. It might be a $2 bill. I don't know. It might be a necklace. It might be an earring. It might be some shoes. Who knows? Hey, it might be socks. I know. Hey, people have some weird, weird things these days. But anyway, so, so whatever it is, you would guard that with your life. And this word keep in the Bible here, it literally means that we are going to guard God's word as a very, tr- a very prized possession in such a way that we're going to hide it deep into our hearts, not to keep it away from everybody, but to live it out each and every day. And so here, it says keep his commandments. And, and, and obviously, in Solomon's mind, his context was the Torah, the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Leviticus, the book of Exodus. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Solomon messed that up. Bless his heart, as we say in the South. Bless his little heart, man. Poor Solomon. Uh, he says, thou shalt not commit adultery. Oh, God bless Solomon, man. He messed that one up pretty bad. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Surely a man as a king will not always tell the truth. I mean, just think about it. The government's not always going to tell us the entirety of the truth in a disaster or, or something. They're going to withhold something to protect us. That is their intentions. And Solomon, I'm sure, did that. In fact, if we went down through every single one of those commandments, we know that Solomon failed miserably. But you know, 
He's just like you and me. While surely I may not have 700 wives or 300 concubines, and neither will you. I hope so. Um, we know that we all fall short. And so the concept of obeying God in thought, that is our goal. But at some point, we're going to have hatred in our hearts for somebody else. At some point, we will. At some point, we will have lust in our hearts for, for somebody of the opposite sex or, or in this culture of somebody of the same sex. We will have a sinful thought, and we will need to confess that. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us. That means to purify us. That means to wipe, wipe the slate clean. Praise God for that. But then we, we are to, we, the calling of obeying the commandments is, is in thought, but then it is in word, with the words we speak. Now, I must confess there's times where, where our mouth and our tongue gets the best of us. We, are, we will be prone to gossip and slander others. We will be prone to just bicker and backbite and, and all sorts of things. We will, we will be prone to lie with our lips, say things that are not true about somebody else. And so today is a solemn reminder that we are to obey God with the words we say. But then, not just thought, not just word, but also in deed. Sin begins as a seed in the heart. Then it begins to grow into the mind. It sprouts from the mouth and then flourishes through the actions. It's like a weed. And aren't you glad 2,000 years ago, Jesus came in to rip out the weeds in the garden we call life. Glorify God by obeying him. Glorify God by fearing him. Hey, listen, my purpose in life, your purpose in this life is to glorify Jesus Christ. Remember what Jesus said? He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. In John's writings in the Gospels in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, we, we've studied about how, how the Bible says that a Christian who's going to have a profession of the faith is going to have a lifestyle that matches that profession. So today is just a reality check that we are called to live like Jesus. Now, that's a high calling. In fact, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I say that to say this, that at some point this year, you're going to stumble in your thoughts. At some point in this year, you're going to stumble in your words. At some point this year, you're going to stumble in your actions, and so will I. But then we're called to repent. We're called to confess that to God and say, God, forgive me. I've sinned against you and cleanse me. That is the whole duty of man, according to Solomon. Remember, this is not just a Chinese proverb that you get at the Chinese restaurant. As clever those little sayings might be, and as cool as they are, this right here is divine, authoritative scripture that Solomon thousands of years ago wrote down by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and God throughout the ages has kept that word right here for us all the way to 2023. But thirdly today, I want to draw your attention to verse 14. And here's where it gets interesting. Because I'm sure in your mind you're saying, well, how, how do you glorify God in a verse like 14? I mean, it's speaking about judgment here. How can we praise God in judgment? 
Well, the third way that we can glorify God this year is simply this. Glorify God by praising him. Not just by fearing him and obeying him, but thirdly today, glorify God by praising him. That begins with the realization that God is on his throne and he is God. Not you, not me. And then it says for God, the same word for God is in verse 13. This is the supreme deity of deities. And it, gives the, it carries the weight that every other God that is made by men is fallible and not infallible. He says for God, this supreme deity of deities, the triune God as revealed in scripture shall bring every work into judgment. So every thought, every word, every deed, every action, every single thing that has ever taken place in this lifetime and prior and future, God will bring into judgment. Then he says, with every secret thing, and Solomon had some secrets, for sure he did. And he says, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Today, I am thankful that you're not judging me and I'm not judging you. I'm thankful today that you're not my judge and I'm not your judge. I'm thankful today that God is our judge. And by the way, he's the only one worthy of doing that. He's the only one that lives without flaws. He's the only one that thinks without sin. He's the only one that speaks without contradiction. He's the only one that, that manifests his actions in a pure, holy way. My friends... We can praise this God. And as we think about this, this new year, let us praise God in life. Let us praise our God. Yes, there's going to be so much life lived here in this new year that we need to devote this year just by living out a lifestyle of praise to God. That when we're walking in Walmart, we are going to adore our Lord and Savior by how we act and how we live. While we're pumping the gas at the Shell Station or Texaco, if Texaco is even a thing anymore. Uh, whatever gas station it is, we are to praise God. Kroger, Food Lion, Aldi, or Sam's, or BJ's, wherever you go to shop for your groceries, or wherever you go, Marshall's, or whatever. We can praise God in life. But then, I think Ecclesiastes is a sobering reminder, and in even studying the life of Solomon, that Solomon's life is going to come to an end. And it did. And my life will. This, we need to live this year with the Reality that this year might be our last year. Amen. That today might be our very last day. Think about this. If you lived every day as if it was your last day, would you live differently? Sure you would. If I preached every sermon as if it was the very last sermon I'd ever preach, surely I'd preach differently. So think about this. I think that we should live this year as if we're preparing for, for the future, knowing that God's in control of the end and our beginning. Let's live each day as if it's our last one and impact others. And the reason why I say that is because, generally speaking, you will speak louder in your death than you will in your life. Here recently, um, I was visiting a piece of property to try to acquire, and um, it, was a, it was another fixer-upper. And as I was walking through the house, I was thinking in my mind, wow, this is, this is too expensive and has way too, too much stuff to try to even, try to even, for me, my limited knowledge to try to do this. And then as I went into the basement, whoever lived there had a lot of storage space, 
and took me into a second room into the basement where the laundry is. That's typically the area where it still remains unfinished. And the individual showing me the property said something that, that I will never forget and said, do you know anybody that watches porn? And she opened up this cabinet and it was all these videos of porn and opened up another cabinet of all these DVDs of porn. And I, I told that individual, you need to burn that stuff. It's not something you should have and not something you should give away. Get rid of it, throw it in the garbage. And I say that to say this, is that at the end of your life, do you want to be remembered by a secret closet discovery in your life that was left unchecked for decades? Oh man, as I think about a real life example again, I think of Robbie Zachariah, a man that I highly esteemed and highly respected. And after he passed, he's remembered of having inappropriate relationships with people, not his wife. So listen, in this lifetime, we are able to cover up our messes. We are able to take, to take all the dirty stuff and just cram it in the closet. But then after we're gone, a family member, a child, a brother, a sister, or a close friend, or the executor of the estate or the POA, the power of attorney is going to walk in and open that closet and then all will be revealed. So I say that to say this, is that you will speak louder in your death than you will in your life. For thousands of years, we've been talking about a guy who wrote the Song of Solomon. We've been talking about a guy who's wrote, written the book of Ecclesiastes and the vast majority of the book of Proverbs. We've been talking about Solomon far more after his life than during his life. So praise God in life and praise God in death and realize that God is the one who we will stand before. My friends, if you're a Christian today, you know that your sins, past, present, and future are all covered underneath the blood, and we can praise God about that. That's amazing truth. So no matter what we stumble into, because chances are we're going to, we can have victory in Jesus for what he did on the cross 2,000 years ago. And we know that we can praise God in eternity, because we will. We will worship God with the host of angelic beings and with all of our brothers and sisters of all nationalities and different creeds and, and different denominations in heaven. But those who are without Christ, who have a secret closet totally crammed in with sin that is left unchecked, that is left unconfessed, and that is left without repentance, will find God's just, righteous, holy throne full of not mercy, not grace, and love, but with wrath, indignation, and fury. You know, it's interesting. This is not the last time we read about Solomon. Solomon, listen, just to be quite frankly, he was not a role model for us today. 
But it's interesting. The graciousness of God is revealed in Solomon's life. Because in the New Testament, guess who pops up again? Solomon. In the genealogy of the Messiah, guess who's present? Solomon. On the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is speaking. And he's talking about these lilies of the field and all these different things, using these natural illustrations. And he transitions to a biblical illustration and points his listeners back to the Old Testament and says, hey, Solomon was great, but a greater than Solomon is here. And then Solomon's porch is mentioned a few times and included and mentioned. He's mentioned in Stephen's sermon in Acts chapter 7. You know, I find it very interesting that Jesus speaks about Solomon in his most famous sermon, probably, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. And then he's mentioned in a genealogy. It gives me great hope because if God can take a finite, fallible man like Solomon, who was messed up and practiced things that was contrary to the word of God, then God can take the members of my body. God can take my life and use it for his glory. And God can do the same with you. Listen, so it doesn't matter what the past has taken place in your life. God can forgive it. It doesn't matter what you're involved in right now. As long as you confess it up to God, God can step in and show much grace to you just like he did Solomon. And so today, as we might remember Solomon with his 700 wives and concubines and all these different things, I submit to you today that we should remember Solomon as a man who was mentioned by Jesus as being great and a man who was wise and a man who was part of the lineage of the Messiah. My purpose in life is to glorify Jesus Christ. May God help you. May God help me to set our affection on him this year and not on materialism, not on pleasure, and not on idolatry. What's up, guys? Brian here again. Just wanted to say thanks again for tuning in to today's episode. You can check out this full message at PastorBrianRalph.com or Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts. Keep the Faith is a ministry of Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. If you're free one Sunday or Wednesday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. Until next time, God bless. I'm gonna walk by, I'm gonna keep my, I'm gonna live by faith. I'm gonna walk by, I'm gonna keep my, I'm gonna live by faith. Keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith.